Need a quick hit of Marketing Smarts inspiration? Here it is. We have lifted portions of our Marketing Smarts episodes for those of you who need a quick jolt of marketing savviness right now. Refer to the description for how to find a longer form version. And with that, here it is. Before we jump into it, the reason we want to cover this is because there's a lot of scammers out there. And honestly, it does pain us when we see businesses who have been the subject of these. It also gives marketing agencies a bad name, which makes it harder for those of us who are legit to persevere and be able to do the work we love to do. So hopefully, yes, this will, of course, help from both sides of the agency corporate fence, which we talk about often. But when we were having this discussion and Anne brought up this lens of the conversation, I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't even think about it like that. But I think this will really help you to start to discern what makes a good agency and what makes one that really doesn't have the chops. Yep. And what's actually going to make this even more interesting is that you're going to hear both of our POVs when it comes to this. So you're going to hear Anne's side and April's side. So you're going to get the corporate view and the agency view. So this could be very, very interesting. So with all of that, let's jump into how to successfully vet our marketing agency. All right. The first thing is you need to be more concerned with the how they work versus who they have worked with. Okay. Now, we all tend to get sucked in by the list of clients that agencies put on their websites, right? It's like the sparkly piece of like, hey, we worked with this big client and we've worked with that big client. What I'm here to tell you is that agencies have a tendency to exaggerate this list. <laughs> that's that's not untrue. <laughs> <laughs> and I know this to be true, so I'm glad you admitted, April, because I've encountered several agencies who said they worked on a Thai business. I'm like, oh, really? What did you do? I've been on Thai's business for seven years. I'm like, uh, well, then you come to find out that they actually had someone in the agency at some point had done something on some project that was somehow connected to Thai. Oh. And you're like, oh, busted. You're totally, totally busted. That all being said, what I was way, way, way more concerned about was their process. So things like, do they appreciate collaboration across functions? I came from the PR side, so I wanted to make sure that PR in the branding and the marketing were all seen as a collaborative agency uh, function working together, right? So that was really, really important. Other thing is, do they take initiative like owners of the brand? That was going to be a really big one for me, too, because I wanted them to work as extensions of me and not have to be having everything spoon fed to them. Do they share even if not fully baked so they can get feedback? That was another really big issue is that they would go off into what seemed like a hole. They would do their thing and then they would come back and be like, here it is. I'm like, um, OK, it's been two weeks and we haven't had any communication on this. And this is probably a lot of times like way off. So that was the important things for me when I was looking and vetting an agency. Now, your list may be different, and that's really just depends on what's really important to you. But the point is, is to have criteria for evaluating type of work style is going to be the most conducive to delivering against your objectives. Yes. And going back to the quilt, as we called it in the agency world, mm. that that logo farm, another term. Um, <laughs> that I've we used would, that before. I like that. The logo that we farm. would put out there. Um, honestly, that was a big pet peeve, even for me being on the agency side, because what I didn't like, and this is my perspective on it, is when the client would ask for experience in the same category on competitors. And that became a criteria by which to decide if you were even in the running. Mm. And I found that so annoying because I was like, that just is so counterintuitive to the way I would look at it, which is exactly what Anne's talking about in this point, which is how do you do the work 
and right alongside of it, how you do the work shows whether you can do the work. And so the quilt just never really made a lot of sense. And I would, I, I just remember every time I would be building one of these new business presentations, which was a lot as I started to go through my career, and I would have to put that slide. And toward the end, I would fight tooth and nail. Like, do we really have to have this? But that was kind of the reason why is because it would be like, check, you have the chops, you've worked on big brands, or check, you've worked on ones in our industry. So... Anyway, I like this point because it encourages the opposite of that. And I would say that from my perspective, I sort of am already alluding to it by my compliment of this this comment. It, it's the same for us, right? So it's important for the agency side to also know how you work and to really assess that and, and for there to be transparency around that. Because... I've referenced this before about proctor work, and I actually offended someone the other day on a panel because they worked there, and I, I didn't Oopsie. know, and I, <laughs> I gave this perspective. But Proctor and others, they are not alone, are known for thinking that they know it all, and especially when it mm-hmm. comes to the agency's work. And so this always was really disheartening for me and others on the team, because when we would get assigned this work, it was like with a big sigh, like, all right, well, now what? You know, how are we going to be what are we going to be met with resistance on this time? And And then the other part of it was. We would a lot of times get this sort of bait and switch where we would get a, a, an ex, a proctor project and it would be like, but no, 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 it is not going to be the way you're used to. They really, really want these big creative ideas. And I feel <laughs> yeah, like, right. <laughs> I, well, and, you know, the team would get excited and over time you become really jaded. Right. But we'd be like, OK, yes, this is our chance. And then we give the presentation and it would be like those are great ideas. We can't do any of them. And here's why. And then we would end up back with whatever the brief said they just needed. And and that was that and call it a day. And so I think that's also that speaks to the process side of things, because it's like, if you ask us to do, go and do that, that takes a lot of energy and effort. If that's really, truly part of your process and what you want to do, great. We are on board all day. But if it's not, please be honest. Yeah, I, I, I can I'd like to say that never happens, but it happened all the time. And that's because, you know, we always wanted to be creative and we wanted the big ideas, truly honestly. But with such big brands and the weight of such big brands, it was really hard to have the flexibility to um to accommodate them. Um, not that that's an excuse, but it is kind of an excuse. Um, but I also think, you know, back to the point you were making about having the chops to do the work no matter the the brand or the business and not having that be like the qualifier is we get challenged about that a lot too. It's like, well, have you done work in the manufacturing industry? It's like, well, yeah, we have done some. Well, you've done exactly this kind of work in the manufacturing industry. I'm like, we don't need to do that kind of work in the in manufacturing industry. And the reason why is because branding and marketing is a philosophy. Yes. The philosophy works across industry. Really ours too. Yes. Yours too. Like uh-huh. the, the inputs are different. And we have to understand some nuances, but the philosophy is the same, you yep. know? And so that is like what you're looking for in here. And it's understanding how they think, how they do their work, how they're processing through the client and um, the agency relationship, all of those being really critically important in this piece versus, oh, you worked with this, you know, business and this brand and this industry. So therefore you have like the chops to work on mine. Yep, Absolutely. 
The second point to successfully vetting a marketing agency is make sure they clearly identify a team and then ask for credentials. And this is especially important if you're going to be a small client because it isn't unusual for agencies to bring the A team to woo you and then switch to the C team in execution, especially if they don't think you're going to be the big ticket item. Also, unfortunately, true. Okay, thank you. I'm, I'm just so glad that you're admitting this. This is I mean, really therapeutic. I'm nothing if not forthright. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thank you. But I will qualify that in saying that in honesty, you know, the C team may just be fine for what you need. Yeah. Really, really. But you want to be able to weigh in on your team. Okay. And so you don't want it to be dictated for you or in essence, them tell you you're going to have this like big team and they're really not going to put that to you in execution. So, for example, if you're looking for social strategy and execution, like a newbie just out of college may be a perfect fit, especially if you're doing something like TikTok, you know. So they tend to be cheaper. They might be more versed in the, the channel that you're interested in. So that might be just fine. The point is, is that you want to make sure that you are getting the right people. And in order to do that, you need to actually think about who the right people are in order to get the work done. So it may not be in the context of a function like an agency would describe their person, but you might say, I need somebody that really understands TikTok. Like if I'm going to do a TikTok execution, that is a very tactical mm -hmm. example, but that'd be something that you would want to make sure you dictate and say, I need somebody with that skill. Then you give that to the agency and the agency says, okay, here's the people that I'm going to put in place and here's their credentials for why that they're going to be put in place in order to work on your team. And this person it, you know, knows TikTok. This person's an expert in TikTok, right? So then you can kind of compare to make sure if they're suitable or not. And then you can have that conversation um, in making sure that your team is going to be the right team in order to pursue the work. Yes, I mean, and I said this one is true, and and I'll cop to all the <laughs> all the truths throughout this. But this is a place where I believe agencies really can do a better job. And what I mean when I say that is what Anne just said is exactly true. If you have a young person just out of school and you're working on a social strategy, in a lot of ways, they probably are the right person to work mm -hmm. on that business. However, because, and there's a lot of reasons for this, egos, agencies spread their teams too thin. They assign them to too many things. They make them manage too many people. That is right. They're on too many businesses with unique needs and can't focus on you know each one. Whatever it is, that young player gets left high and dry and the client feels that versus putting them with a tenured person on the team allowing them to lead the work which is a great opportunity and they likely know more about that channel mm -hmm. than that that lead person ever could but they get the oversight and then not only do they learn and grow but the client gets to Anne's point exactly what they need at the ticket they need it mm -hmm. and on the other side of that I think the other thing that happens from a resourcing perspective is that you get something in the door that you're really excited about or the management's really excited about, and then you overextend and have too many resources on it when it isn't and likely never is going to be the big ticket you think it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And then other clients suffer as a result of that. So there's lots of different reasons why this happens, but I think this point is really good and, and quite true. Um the other thing is you don't get to pitch business until you've shown that you have the chops within the agency. So that's the other piece of it is you don't often see the young team members because 
agencies think that that shows weakness. And as you move up, you pitch more, which means you're less involved in the work on a day-to-day basis. So all of those insights there. But on the other side, obviously, there is some ownership to be had on the side of the client. And I'll, I'll pick on P&G again here just because it's low-hanging fruit for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, making friends all over the place. Um, but anyway... You know, one of the agencies I worked for in town, we had a pretty good book of P&G business. And so what that unfortunately means is when there's an organizational shift at Proctor, it impacts a lot of your business at the same time. And so I remember when there were layoffs, they were going through consolidation and like certain levels of people would just be let go. On all of our businesses, we would end up in the same position, which is we would have a junior brand manager who would just kind of be left holding the bag, which is a terrible position for that person, but also an equally terrible position for the agency, because then we would be not only doing the work, but teaching that person how to do the work and also how to do their job. Because in a lot of cases, we had more experience on their business, as crazy Mm -hmm. as that sounds, than that person that was in the position did. And so we would be really inefficient. We'd overspend time and you know, bless the the agencies that really try to make this fun, right? And we'd be like, all right, we'll go to happy hour with you and we'll walk you through this thing or, you know, try to make it enjoyable for our all parties involved. But that just sucks. That's a terrible position to be in. And then the other thing that I think can happen is you get excited if you're referred to a different area of the business, but especially in major organizations, a lot of it is contingent on the actual team you're working with. And so you might be super excited, like, oh yeah, we work on, you know, this personal care brand under this giant umbrella and they're the best and that was usually not the case for me with Proctor but in other client instances um yes now we're on to you know their baby care and then you get to the baby care team and you're like what is this who are these people and so I think unfortunately agencies you get really excited right you get excited about the brand name you get excited about the size of the client you think about like oh that's going to be my package commercial whatever out in the world And there's not as much discipline as there probably should be around vetting the actual people you're going to be working with day to day, not only the business you're going to be working on. Yeah, I think that's really, really fair to say, too, because I even remember working on the NFL uh, program as part of Tide. And it was always the one that they gave a new ABM that's just mm-hmm. coming in, like, because it's fun and yeah. it's exciting, but we never were able to get the traction we needed to because we were constantly onboarding a new ABM who yeah. had new ideas. And then, you know, for the NFL, you have to plan the year before yep. in Absolutely. order to be able to meet it. And so if you're constantly onboarding a new ABM, you can't get the, the, the process going in a way that is conducive to planning a year ahead. And so we were always behind the eight ball. And then everybody's like, well, how come this program's not working? It's like, because we've had four ABMs on this uh, program in the last year and a half, right? So I think that's a very fair point to say is that don't bait and switch on the other side too and yep. say, hey, you're going to have this whole full team and we're going to have full core press against this. And then all of a sudden agency shows up with everybody that they need and you have ABM and your community communications lead who are at the helm there. So um, I think that's a really important point. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now go show off your marketing smarts.